Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. That's our outcome. Every single one of us. It's appointed unto man once to die. After death, the judgment. So Tony said, once I got that in my hand, I was able to deal with the other. Because we're all going there. So really what this writer is saying is if your security is on stuff of this earth, well, the earth's going to be shaken. There's going to be nothing left. So don't put your security in that. Put it in Jesus Christ. Everybody knows about the saying, you can't take it with you in terms of when you die. All your stuff gets left behind. Many ancient societies buried their king's stuff with them because they believed that you could take it with you. Archaeological digs have shown that the stuff always stays where it was put. Pastor Mark's teaching today will touch on this desire that people have to not only accumulate things, but to hang on to them as long as possible. You'll hear about the counterculture attitude that Christ followers should have. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 12 as he continues his message, Our Race of Grace. He says to these Hebrews, if you stop running the race of grace and try to go back under the law, your outcome will be worse. Don't even think about it. Always trying to keep the laws a dead end. So if we reject the grace of God, we're left to stand before God with my good works. Impossible. Ephesians 1 tells us what that looks like. We who were dead in our trespasses and sins. So you don't want to do that. Listen up. Serving Jesus out of love is a key. Verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised. Now watch this. Once more will I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Verse 27. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is, created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. These verses are leading up to a date when this world is going to be shaken for one last time. You read the newspaper recently? Would you say the earth is beginning to shake? We're seeing things we've never seen before. It's amazing what's happening in our world. From the economy here, to the euro, to the whatever, to Iran, to the missiles, to Israel. The world is simply shaking. This is only 
the beginning. You see, the ground at Mount Sinai, it trembled. But there's coming a bigger trembling. The whole earth will shake, and eventually nothing will remain. Let me remind you that this passage comes out of Haggai, and it says this, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea, and dry land. When is the real shaking going to take place? Oh, it's going to happen as we get closer and closer to the rapture. But the real shaking is going to happen during that seven-year period. Speaking of also in Joel and also in Acts chapter 2, this earth is going to go through convulsions, violent convulsions of nature that this earth has never seen. Remember, Romans 8 tells us that the earth right now is groaning. It can't stand what's happening. So Second Peter tells us, in chapter 3, there's a time coming after the millennial reign, after all this judgment on the earth, when everything is shaken, that there's a time coming and the whole earth is going to be destroyed. God's going to build a brand new again. Brand new heaven, a brand new earth. Well, while this earth is being shaken, why is the writer writing this? Notice verse 28. Therefore, since the earth is going to be shaken, since eventually there's only going to be one kingdom that remains, there's only one kingdom that's unshakable, you want to make sure you're in that kingdom. He says, therefore, verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, the kingdom of God, let us be thankful And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. That brings up number three. What do I do with this race of grace? I want to number three, be thankful and respectful and live with awe. You see, if our lives are built, on the stock market, or the housing market, or our wisdom, or our health, or our retirement funds, then let me just say this to you. You will be shaken to your core. Because those things will be shaken, and nothing will remain with them. Doesn't matter. Your money Your retirement fund, the housing market, the stock market, your wisdom, your health. One day it's all gone. We're going to be out of here. I was listening to the reflection of Tony Snow, who just passed away. Good evangelical Christian, terrific guy. When he had this first notice of cancer, he said this. Every person already knows their outcome. What is your outcome? You already know your outcome. You're going to die. Every person knows it. We just don't know when or how. So he says, once you get that under control, then whatever happens, you can face it with God. Amazing, isn't it? What strength? You say, well, I don't think that's my outcome. It's your outcome. Now, we don't want to dwell on that. But that's our outcome. Every single one of us. It's appointed unto man once to die. After death, the judgment. So Tony said, once I got that in my hand, 
I was able to deal with the other. Because we're all going there. So really what this writer is saying is if your security is on stuff of this earth, well, the earth's going to be shaken. There's going to be nothing left. So don't put your security in that. Put it in Jesus Christ. It's in heaven already. 2 Timothy 2.19 says this, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with the inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So we already know our outcome. We know where we're going. There is a solid foundation. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, if you will. Matthew chapter 7. Let's talk about a foundation. Let's keep our eyes a little bit on heaven. We want to be on the heavenly Mount Zion. A few years ago when the housing market was booming, the stock market was booming, everybody could buy what they want. You kind of had extra, all kind of stuff. Jobs were everywhere, plentiful. We don't think too much about God. Don't think too much about heaven. Well, now we're in a very different environment. It's very, very different. So it's a good time because sometimes we go, Well, maybe this stuff doesn't bring me security. No, it doesn't. Never will. Can't. Matthew 7, get on to verse 24. What about a foundation? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains came. We can relate to that. The streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it has foundation on the rock. And as you know, the rock is Jesus Christ. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine, notice this, not an atheist, not an agnostic, somebody who hears the words of God and does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So what does that mean to us? Well, we're here, just like the people were in Hebrews. They're hearing the word of God. Are they going to think about going back now under the law? The writer says, why in the world would you do that? Don't get was we're being persecuted. That's okay. Eternity is a long time. Put up with what's going here. God will give you the grace to go through what's here. Just keep trusting him. Obey his word. Now, ask yourself, where is your foundation? Well, it must be on the word of God and the obedience to the word of God. If it isn't on God's grace, then I have to stand before God in my own works. That's not going to work. I want to be a person that hears the word. That's why we're here. We're hearing it. Many of us have read this passage in Matthew hundreds of times. But it's a good reminder to obey the word of God because that means I'm a wise person. In the circumstances where you are, are you trusting God? Or are you trying to work out your own plan? 
No, trust God. Now, there is a falling away, this apostasy, a person that just comes to church, never really has a relationship with God. They hear the word, but they never take it to them. It's a very dangerous place because their heart is really getting hard. The word is going in. It's going in their head. It never reaches their heart. You say, will the fall of that house be great? You just read it. Yes, it will, because their name isn't in heaven. They don't have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, what kind of a God do we have? You know these verses, but I want to put them together. Just look at John 3.16. It's right here through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We could spend months on that verse. Notice verse 17. People think they get angry at God. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him, and that word believes means with actions following, obedience. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So how narrow is salvation? It's this narrow. It's Jesus narrow. That's the only way. This is exactly what the writer's trying to say then. If you go back under the law, you're back to the law, and you can't be good enough. You want to try? You can't be. So how about coming over to Jesus, who is grace and mercy? He's paid your penalty. You can't earn it. You'll never be good enough. So don't even think about it. Come back under Jesus, stay under Jesus, enjoy it, go through with it. And that brings up the fourth key. And we have to be thinking not just about ourselves. The fourth key is this, share the message of God's grace with urgency. You see, let me just say this kindly to all of us. When I begin to be selfish and only think about my circumstances, then I cannot really fulfill the Great Commission. See, if I'm only going to worry about myself and my circumstances, my finances, my home, my health, my kids, my whatever, certainly we have to focus on that. But if that's where my focus is, you remember the scripture that says this? If you try to save your life, You'll lose it. So, every one of the disciples lost their life for God. How? Because they didn't think about themselves. Paul says, doesn't matter really what happens to me. He said, for me to live is Christ, and I'm going for it. And so, I believe the writer is trying to say to these people, remember his last verse? God's a consuming God of fire and judgment. Well, is that true? Yes, there is a day coming. See, if God's just, there has to be judgment. God says, go through the land. The firstborn of every animal and man will be killed. And that's the blood's over the place where they live. They will be. Say, well, that's a mean God. It's not a mean God. It's a just God. Plenty of time. Ten plagues. Chances for Pharaoh to free the people. Didn't happen. 
So notice 2 Corinthians 5.11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. In other words, that means the end result of being separated from God forever. Knowing it, we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I also trust as well known in your consciences. In other words, Paul says, hey, I know what the outcome is. Everyone dies. Second, there's only one kingdom that remains. Every other kingdom will be shaken. I want to see if I can convince people through the power of the Spirit to get into that kingdom. I can't do it if my focus is on me. It has to be on the world. That's why we have to be a church where we share the good news outside of this building. Now, turn with me to Revelation chapter 20, just for a second. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. It's very interesting. We were listening to uh, some teaching tapes in our pastor's meeting today from Adrian Rogers. Great, great, great pastor who moved on and is in heaven today, praising the Lord. And one day, a physician came to him and basically said this, uh, Adrian, are you speaking this weekend? And you know, Adrian said, yes. He said, why? He says, I'm bringing a friend that's unsaved to church. And Adrian said to him, well, why aren't you bringing that friend to your church? Because he didn't go to Adrian's church, he went to another church. He says, because in my church, there's never an invitation. There's never an altar call. My pastor never asked people to accept Jesus Christ, so I'm bringing them to your church. That's a shame. People need to be invited to accept Jesus Christ. People need to be invited to make a choice, a decision. Now look at down in verse 11. Revelation 20, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done in these books. So these books are open. One of them is the book of life. Now, your name's either in the book of life, or it isn't in the book of life. If it's not in the book of life, look at verse 15. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Well, how do you get your name into the book of life? That's where the confusion is today. You can be a good person. You can have your name on your checks that you give to your church. You can have your name on a baptismal roll when you're a little child or whatever. You can have your name on a membership of a church. You can have in your office your names and all kind of plaques and things because you're a very generous person, a giving person. That's wonderful. Having your name in all those places is incredible. Good for you. But there's only one way to get to heaven. Is my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Revelation 21, 27. Nothing in heaven, speaking about, nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You see, guys, our neighbors and friends don't know that. Now, this isn't how you start 
as you witness to them, you talk about God's love, that they're a sinner, God opens the door. But this is the bottom line. If a person's name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and it comes because salvation is free, the last part of the book of Revelation says, Come. God wants, he who has the Son has life. He who doesn't have the Son doesn't have life. It's a throne of grace and mercy and forgiveness. We took a look at people who are citizens in heaven. And I asked you earlier, is your name written in the book of life? Well, Pastor Mark, how does it get there? One way. There has to be a day when you, as an adult, as somebody six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and up, said, I realize I'm a sinner. Jesus died for my sins. I ask him to forgive me. I receive him. And at that moment, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're there. You're a citizen of heaven. Pastor Mark, it's too easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. But it is easy for us. Why? Because he's already paid it. And at that point, well, Pastor Mark, how do I know if, if God heard my prayer? Were you sincere? If you were, he heard it. Well, I did that a long time ago, but nothing ever changed in my life. Well, that's because it was not true repentance. See, true repentance means sorry enough to change. Well, I didn't change. God failed me. No. You didn't change because you didn't let God help you. God will always enable us to do what he wants us to do. So I want to close in this service by simply asking you this simple question. Are you sure your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you know that you're born again? That Jesus forgave you of your sins. That you're going to go to heaven. You're a citizen in heaven. Good stuff's happening. You're a follower of Jesus Christ right now. Not something in the past. But you absolutely know that if the rapture would occur before we walk out of this door, here's what I'm praying for. Every seat in this building and in the other buildings, the youth, the kids, every place where somebody's sitting right now would be what? Empty, gone into the presence of God. You see, this world's going to shake a lot more if your faith is on the rock of Jesus Christ. We're all going to be okay, even if we have to die for our faith. We're going to be okay. Some of these people that Paul's writing to, if he's the one that wrote the book of Hebrews, are going to die for their faith. But they're okay, because absent from the body, present with the Lord. Not for a day, but for eternity. And we have no idea how to comprehend that. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark talked about the Christians in the book of Hebrews. What a tough time they were having. 
you learned how they were thinking of bailing on Christianity. The writer of Hebrews showed them that if they abandoned Jesus, they'd be walking out on God for dead religion. You were reminded that you could do that too. You shouldn't do it either. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This brings us to the end of Pastor Mark's teaching, Our Race of Grace. Next time, he'll begin the message, Sex, Inside and Outside of Marriage. He'll talk about what the Bible has to say about sexual purity and sexual involvement outside of the plan God set up. You'll learn about the consequences of failing to do life God's way in the area of sex and sexuality. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting